Hi there, everybody. Ed asked me to chime in and let you know about me. My name is Dan, and I am weird. But I don't see weird as a bad thing. Weirdish means people marching to the beat of a different drum, not fitting into that hole that society wants to shove you into. On my show, The Power of Weird, I'm talking to people like me. The weirder, the better. So when you're done listening to this great episode of the Dead America Podcast, come on over to thepowerofweird.com and start the descent into your weirdom. And remember, be the weird you want to see in the world. I'll see you next time on The Power of Weird. Communication is the key to a healthy lifestyle. Sometimes it's very difficult to understand how to communicate properly. Today we are going to discuss communication and how to develop our communication skills. This is one of the most important things in our life and this is what Dead America is about. I had the distinct honor to speaking with Nancy about communication and developing communication with others. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's get into it. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be around this wild, wacky, and sometimes disturbing world of ours. Yes, that's the intro to the Mindset Podcast, a weekly attempt to open eyes and shedding light on what's really going on in the world, all done by ripping apart the media madness that masquerades as news. Join me, Gareth Davis, every Sunday on the Mindset Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and so on. Or you can go directly to the main Mindset website. That's www.mindsetcentral.com. Check out the Mindset Podcast. Bring your curiosity, your opinions, and a sense of humor. And remember that some worldviews are stranger than others. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we have a great guest, Nancy Appleman Vassell. Nancy is the founder and the CEO of the APLS Group. We are going to talk about communication skills with Nancy, mastering the art of difficult conversations. Nancy, could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little bit about you, please. Absolutely, and I'm delighted to be here today. And thank you for pronouncing my name absolutely correctly. Sometimes it's a challenge for people, and you obviously mastered it right away. 
So as you said, I am the uh, uh, proud founder and owner of APLS Group, which is a um, training and consulting firm that works with organizations who want to uncover and get over their blind spots that will enable and enhance and increase their effectiveness and also their influence in the workplace and in life. And what we do know is that communication is either the driver or the inhibitor that allows a conversation and a relationship to continue, and whether that's personal or uh, business. We've been in business, it'll be 21 years on July 1st. I have a team of folks that um, help in terms of facilitation of workshops and coaching people. And also we have what we call the back of the house. And what we know is that without a strong back of the house, marketing, invoicing, et cetera, and operations that it would not be successful and we'd still not be standing today. Uh, the other thing I would say to you is my background's in counseling and also psychology and education. And so I'm a, also a certified speaking professional through the National Speakers Association and uh, have a master's degree from the University of Colorado at Denver. That's very impressive, Nancy. Communication, it's not easy. I know I struggle with communication still, and finding those people that can enhance our communication skill is very important, and you're one of those. Mm-hmm. So tell us, what are some of the key benefits from from reaching out to you for your services? So the benefit is, is that let's say you have um, a team that's stuck that they don't work well together and that they don't communicate, they don't share, they um, just the behavior is such that maybe the work's getting done, but it's not of the best quality and that you might, as a result, have some issues around retention and about recruiting. And so people come and say, hey, Nancy, you know, we've got this team and we really want to develop them. They don't seem to be able to, they're not self-aware about their own behavior and how they're interacting with others. Uh, we are a authorized partner and certified to deliver the Wiley uh, Everything Disc, which is a, a behavioral skills assessment uh, tool. And we do that one a lot. People might be familiar with the Myers-Briggs, the MBTI, or they might be familiar with Insights. All of those assessments are ones that look at your own style. And so we do that a lot. We will give people the assessment. We'll then have them do some self-exploration. We'll then do some exercises that make them more aware of how their behavior impacts their ability to interact with somebody else. We also, I think uh, one of our sweet spots, as we call it, is our ability to say, you know what, you're not alone. And so you are going to need to interact with people. And it's not to your benefit to always interact with people that are just like you. I think we've been learning that even more so in the last um, 16 or 17 months of the pandemic. And so what happens when somebody's different than I am? How do I make sure that I'm really opening my ears and listening and figuring out how do I communicate with someone whose style could be so different than mine? 
Yes, that's very important to understand. Everybody has a different style of communication. You outlined that on your blog on APLSgroup.com. You have this productive conflict thing outlined, and you Mm -hmm. go over the different styles. The people have a type D style, type I style. Could you go over some of that? with us absolutely. a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So that is based off of the Wiley um, Everything Disc suite of products. So the D style is the dominant style. Dominance as in action-oriented. Like if they had a, um, uh, what do you call it, a mantra or a, a tagline, it would say, just do it, kind of like Nike, right? Just do it, make it happen, let's go for it. And then someone who's an influencing style, which is the I, they're about, yeah, let's do it. They're action-oriented, but they say, let's do it with people. And then those two styles are the styles that are sometimes could, you could say, well, those are extroverted styles. Well, maybe, but it's also that they're ones that say when they're in the workplace or even outside of the workplace, let's get things done and let's get it done quickly and let's get it done with others. Whereas the other two styles, the S style, which is the steadiness style, is more around, yeah, let's get it done, but let's do it with harmony. Let's all get along together. Let's make sure that we're, it's more more of an accommodating style, and it's more of a style that needs more detail. And then your C style, which is your conscientious style, is someone who really wants all the details. They want all the T's crossed and the I's dotted, and they want it in a systematic, they use terms like accuracy and quality are real important. And so you need all four styles, if we're talking about in the workplace, you absolutely need those four different perspectives. The challenge is, and I'll say to you that I'm a high I, so I'm a high influencer, My biggest challenge is when I have to work with someone who's a C, a conscientious style, because we buck heads. And we buck heads because I'm this eternal optimist that says, yeah, let's just do it. Let's make it happen. And this conscientious style is saying, oh, please, you know, your enthusiasm is making me nuts. And where are the details? Where are the details? You're stressing me out, right? So that's an example um, I happen to be married to a high D, uh, dominant style, and I'm an I. And you might say, oh, well, you must be moving all the time. Well, you know, we don't communicate great sometimes because his style is, it's almost, it sounds like make it happen. Like you, and you hear the sound, right? You hear the sound of my hands hitting each other. And I'll come back and say, would you like to say that differently so I can really hear it? Because and, and then when you have a discussion about how he came across or how she comes across, what you find out is, and that's where the conflict piece comes in, is that conflict is really just people approaching things two different ways. The outcome might be the same, but we don't ever allow ourselves because we get emotional. And as soon as you get emotional, you're no longer rational. And and you can't make decisions and you can't engage when you're not rational. 
That is so true. That mm-hmm. That is words of wisdom right there. Mm-hmm. Now, talking about these styles, are there, because it's very important for us to realize what style we are and recognize who the other person we are talking to, what they are. Mm-hmm. Is there ever circumstances or instances where there's like mixed style people <laughs> well we're all a combination of all four of those styles it's what's our preference yeah right it is it's our preference so i'm very people oriented when life is wonderful and all is great and i'm very i i'm, I'm almost like an is i'm an influencer and a steadiness person and so my focus how i look at things is through people first it doesn't mean i don't get the task done it's that I pay attention to this. I can be very detail-oriented. When I'm under stress, I am like, forget about the people, and it's all about what's not right. So I almost go into a see a conscientious mode, and people know it because it's like, whoa, what's going on? Because I'm into what about this, what about this, what about this, what about this, um, what's the update on this, boom, 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 boom. But when I'm in a great space, I know it's going to get done. So we are a combination. It's just kind of where we are at the moment. And I think the challenge that also happens is that when we go to engage in a conversation with somebody, we um, have to be really pure and clear about what our intent is. So am I looking to engage with you as an example so that we can explore and learn from each other? Or am I, or do I have some type of agenda that I'm going to look to push through regardless of what my style is? And then the other important piece is do I walk in with a bunch of assumptions in my head because you and I have interacted together before, or you remind me of somebody that I've interacted with before. And so if I walk in and my intention is not pure, and if my I have a bunch of what I, you know, call assumptions in my head or stories in my head, then that really impacts my ability to have what I call a very clear and clean um, conversation and dialogue because it becomes, it's not authentic if I'm not doing it the clear and clean way. Yes, I call that uh, set of preconceived uh notions right right about people Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so when we engage with people we always have some intention there's always a purpose of engagement it's what we do there's two types of people there's Mm -hmm. introverts and extroverts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we communicate with people and we're touching on this style like mm-hmm. these people with the introvert set the mindset of being just isolated to themselves mm-hmm. I come from that group of people mm-hmm. and it was very difficult for me to pull myself out and start communicating with people because of all of these preconceived notions that we put inside of our head. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Is there a way that we can teach ourselves or trick ourselves into coming out of that box of these preconceived notions? Mm-hmm. So thank you for the question. And, and uh, I would not have known that you were an introvert. Um, as you've described yourself. So we we talk about introversion and extroversion as where we get our source of energy. And I talk a lot in the workshops that I do and with the coaching that I do with some of my clients about how important it is to understand if somebody's introverted or extroverted because you have to manage that. Um, You have to manage that in a meeting by making sure that you provide information ahead of time so that, you know, we think, oh, it's only for the introverts so that they can digest and be ready to contribute. But it's also for the extroverts so that they can digest and minimize what it is that they want to say. Because what they say about extroverts are extroverts talk and think at the same time, whereas introverts make a statement because they thought about it. And when you leave a meeting, an extrovert is thinking, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, and now that I think about it, I probably shouldn't have said that either. Whereas the introvert is waking up the next morning and said, oh, I wanted to say that as well. And so it's a very different style and approach. And it's important to understand what your style is. But it's also just as important to understand what the other person's style is. So I'll use my spouse as an example again. He's an introvert. He's introversion. I'm an extrovert. Extroversion. We were newly married many years ago. And we were living in Northern Virginia, and we were driving along after dinner down the George Washington Parkway, and we were listening to James Taylor, and back then we both smoked cigarettes, and, you know, the monuments are beautiful, et cetera, and it was very quiet in the car. And at about 20 minutes of silence, which was absolutely disturbing for me, I turned to my spouse, and of course, it's the proverbial question that you never, they say, don't ever say to your spouse, but I said, hey, are you happy? (laughs) And he thought for a moment and a couple of minutes, and he came back and he said, yeah. He said, you know, I'm with with you, who I love and adore. We're listening to great music with great scenery. This is great. What about you? And I paused, and I looked at my watch, and I tapped my watch, and I said, we haven't talked for 20 minutes. It's driving me crazy. It's just a different style, isn't it? It's a different approach. I think the preconceived notion portion of what you were asking is the more I know about myself and I pay attention and I'm aware of the people that I'm with, the more that I can let go of those preconceived notions and just say, okay, I'm interacting with another human being whose style is different than mine. And here's how I need to adjust what I'm doing. I had a uh, a situation where when I first went into business, uh, a colleague that I had worked with previously was at a startup here. I, I'm in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. And uh, she called me up and she said, Nancy, brand new startup, we need training, Um, can you come up and, you know, let's have a conversation. I said, sure. So I went up and met various people. She showed me the whole layout. We stepped off site. 
talked for another couple of hours about some of the things that she was interested in us exploring. I put together an 18-month training plan proposal. She calls me up and she said, the owner of the company wants to meet you, really likes the proposal. Um, Can you come up? And whatever the date was. And she said, let me tell you something. She said, let me just share with you. She said, this is important for you to know. We call him the the five-minute man. She said, because if you talk to him for more than five minutes, he's done. He will check out and he will walk out. I said, okay, no problem. I hung up the phone and just like the saying, Houston, we have a problem because I am a 45-minute person. I would like to tell you the whole story from A to Z, double A, double Z. I think you're seeing that with this podcast as well. And so I practiced and I cut and I practiced and I cut. And I got up to the, the place. It took me about an hour. And at that point in time, my son was playing football at North Carolina State University. He was a third-string offense um, center. And I was part of the parents' club. And the owner was an alumni of the college, which, of the university, which I didn't know. And he saw my magnet on my car. And when I met him, of course, he wanted to talk North Carolina State football. <laughs> and so I'm like, you're pulling into my five minutes here. And so, you know, we did a, we did the thing. And then I gave my presentation and I said, and that concludes my five-minute presentation. And he, he, you would have hoped he would have said, please tell me more, Nancy, or, hey, let me sign on the dotted line. But no, what he said was good, because in another 10 seconds, I was out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And, yeah, it's about knowing, you know, you, you know knowing preconceived, there, there wasn't a preconceived notion, but I needed to prepare myself for the fact that I had five minutes, and that was it. Yeah, that's an elevator pitch. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yes, that's an extended elevator pitch. Now it's more like 30 seconds, right? Yeah, it is interesting the types that we deal with. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it, it can be comical at times mm-hmm. or shocking. <laughs> <laughs> the whole range. <laughs> yes, the whole, the whole gamut lies there. What can we do to build our communication skills better? Mm-hmm. I found that reading helps me build my vocabulary and it helps me be better at preparing for conversations. Mm-hmm. What is some of the things that you know about that people can use to help mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, so thank you. You know, reading is absolutely important. Um, learning more about who the person is or people that you're going to be talking with are, you know, what's about, what about them? What do you know about them? What about their experiences? The other is, you know, there's lots of communication books out there. I would suggest if you could, if you haven't taken some type of behavioral skills uh, assessment that you learn more about your own style so that you're able to communicate that better I think some of the questions that you want to ask before you're going to engage in a dialogue or a conversation with somebody is, what's my intent? What do I really want out of this conversation? What, what, what will success look like? 
at the end of this conversation. And then it's about, you know, erasing or eliminating or shaking off all those assumptions. Because, look, you know, we all have uh, biases and um, because we have a brain. And that is a known fact. You can Google it anywhere. You know, unconscious bias is really about how can I uncover those biases so that I'm really having an authentic and clean relation, you know, conversation and relationship with somebody. And so if I can do those two things before I walk into the conversation itself, and then I'm able to share what I'm thinking, what I'm, what my experience is in a way that is a, does not have emotion attached to it, and then being able to really listen to what, to hear the other person's point of view. Because a lot of times, as I said earlier, we may not have a difference. It's that we're using different words. Uh, and, and that gets misinterpreted because if I get a reaction to a word that you use, um, you know, you and I were talking earlier, uh, people asked me if I, oh, so you train in soft skills. And I just absolutely go, bananas over that because I do not. It, it completely devalues what I do for a living. And I say to people that what I do for a living is I teach you the necessary skills and give you the experience of those necessary skills to complement your technical skills. And that as a result of the pandemic, which I really thought was a situation and most of us did that was only going to last about nine or ten weeks, this pandemic has forced us to reevaluate ourselves. Has um, I've been talking to colleagues and some of my clients about how people have figured out that they need to balance their lives different, what's important to them now, like what's their real true passions. And as a result of that, and as companies are opening back up and inviting uh, their employees and their associates to come back in to the level that they feel comfortable, what they have learned, although Zoom and some of these other tools have been helpful in people being connected, people have not felt connected. They have felt isolated. And so the demand is now greater for what I call the people side. Not so much the technical work, but it's the people side. And there's uh, this new research that has um, come out that talks about the fact that, you know, the term soft skills is going to be dead. And that it's really more, as I see it, people skills or they're calling it power skills. Because that's what's going to power the future. The new way of work, the new way of living. Um, is going to be powered by our ability to be able to communicate with each other. And any time that you have more than one person in the conversation, the likelihood is, is that it could be a challenge. That's interesting, Nancy. I think it's been that way forever. It's just this uh-huh. thing kind of reminded us that, uh-huh. you know, we all live here and communication is key. Uh-huh. Looking at ourselves is very hard to do sometimes, but it's very important for us to do and challenging what we already know or what we think we already know. Giving and receiving feedback, Uh Uh this is vital 
Yeah. How do we give proper feedback to mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Yeah. So I um I think of feedback as a gift. Somebody takes the time to tell me what they think, good, bad, or indifferent, but they've taken the time because most people don't take the time anymore. Right? What they do is, oh, they'll put it on a uh, on a Yelp or uh or they'll put it on a Class it on some social media, but never really talk to the person. And so I learned a long, long time ago when I first was working for NTL Institute, which is the National Training Labs Institute for Behavioral Sciences. And we ran training programs in people skills um, and learning how, what's the impact of my behavior. And that's where I learned that feedback was holistic. There are things that I value and appreciate that you bring to the table and I want you to either do more of or start to do it because it's really working. And then there are some things that get in the way of you being as effective as you need to be. And so if you think about it as a holistic approach and that's the arrangement and agreement that I have with you because you're my colleague, then you're going to trust that what I have to say is in that because I care about you, again, it goes back to intent. Because I care about you and you care about me, we can have that relationship where we can give each other feedback. So that's number one, it's about intention. The problem is, is that most people think of feedback, and I even heard it in the way that you were asking the question, is like, oh, let me brace myself because somebody's going to tell me something that I haven't done right. Right. And so I like to say to people, just erase that because that's not true feedback. Uh, when I've had customers or clients that have said to me, oh, Nancy, can you do a program on giving and receiving constructive criticism? And I just start, again, my body starts shaking and I said, no, I can't do that. But I could do a program on feedback and listening skills. And so it's really about that whole mind shift, word, word usage and choices. How do we shift it? So that it's more positive and not about putting me down, you know, down in the ground. And so in terms of specifics around feedback, I would say to you, you know, here's what I saw. Here was my experience. You know, here's what I've noticed. So as an example, let's say uh, you and I are working together and we were, you were supposed to, we were supposed to have meetings on Tuesdays at nine o'clock and you don't come to the very first one. You don't show up, you don't call, you don't write, you don't text, anything. My initial reaction is something happened, like you were in an accident or somebody got sick or something like that. But then the following week uh, that we're supposed to get together, you're supposed to present uh, part A of something and you don't have it done. Then I start to think, well, you know, what's going on here? So I start making some stories, assumptions in my head that, like, you're not interested. This is, like, um, it's not working. And so on the third, I decide to give you another shot, so to speak. And the third time is you, you're late with no, no letting me know, whatever. And so at that point, I really do need to give you some feedback. You don't report to me. We're working on a project together. And so I need to say to you, you know, here's what I've experienced. The last three times, you either didn't show, you came late, you weren't prepared. 
it leads me to believe, I start to think that this is not, um, you're not interested in doing this or you don't know how to do it. And can you help me understand? That's been my experience. That's how I, so I give you the specifics. I tell you what the impact is. And then the impact, of course, is, is that the project's not going to get done on time. Well, we need to reallocate the project because it's not working the way that we've outlined it. And so what I, I haven't demeaned you in any way. I've shared with you my experience. And I've shared it with you in a way that is thoughtful and is, you know, matter of fact may sound a little cold, but it's more that it's like, here, here are the facts. Here's what uh, has been my experience. Help me understand what's going on. Well, I, I really think the world needs more of that, Nancy, because <laughs> in today's uh, atmosphere, mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of lack, especially in the professional realm. Mm-hmm. You know, I go to a professional, I expect great communication skills. I expect them to know their job. And I expect them to be able to lay it out properly for everybody to understand. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. part of that communication skills. I've noticed even in our let's let's talk politics, our political <laughs> realm, our educational system, mm-hmm. our libraries, our everything is affected by bad communication skills Absolutely. today. And it boils down to accountability. Yep. yep. Why is it so hard for people to hold themselves accountable? And why is it that we as people don't do that and give that proper feedback and hold them accountable? Well, um, outside of the political realm, because we'd have to have several hours to be able to talk about that. But I would say to you that the the challenge with feedback or holding people accountable at the real core, people are afraid to hurt other people's feelings. So if I tell you this, then it will hurt your feelings. Um, I remember recently, probably in the last six months, somebody said to me, I need to say something to you, um, and I hope that I won't hurt your feelings. And I said, you know, please tell me. And so whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what the specifics were. And at the end of it, I took a breath, and I said, thank you for sharing. I, you know, I I don't deny that that wasn't said, but I would, um, but I would say to you that it's something for me to think about. So... You know, sometimes we buffer it by saying, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings or this might hurt your feelings. We have to we have to be able to share with each other what we think and feel in a way that people can hear it. I may not agree with it, but I need to be able to hear it. And I think that's one of the challenges that we're facing today um, in in our world and in our nation in terms of people's inability. Like people are so stuck in their own way of thinking about something that they can't have a dialogue. And it's unfortunate because we need it now more than ever to be able to come together about something or to say, you know, hey, this is, this doesn't work in this way. How can we make it different? Let me give you some feedback about what I see so far so that we can, you know, move it forward. 
I know we've been moving towards a more diverse and a more inclusive environment mm -hmm. for all. That is a very touchy situation in many areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How, how can we be more inclusive? So I think one of the challenges that people need to pay attention to is, first of all, what's my own biases? You know, um, as I said earlier, if you have a brain, you have a bias. I mean, that's just, it's true. And as unbiased as I think I am as a human being, I have my own biases because I have my own opinions. And, um, you know, it used to be that we said, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You have to, you have to read the book. You have to read the first chapter or two of the book to be able to see whether or not you want to continue to engage. So to me, I need to reach out to people that are different than I am. And then at the same time, I need to be able to educate others about where I'm coming from as well. To me, there's no right or wrong. It is about a dialogue. And that's something that's really, really important. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> Getting people on board and talking is very hard to do <laughs> because people are so into what they already know mm -hmm. and how can we present ourselves in a more presentable manner that might draw more diverse people into our thinking or our perspective so as i said you know and i guess this is my perspective is that i first of all need to be open and receptive to um, getting beyond that first page, right? Getting beyond that cover sheet, that um, that one page of a resume, let's say, as an example, and I, and and being able to uh, reach out and ask what I call open-ended questions, so that I can learn more, mm. and then not. And again, you know, it's hard. I absolutely agree with you because our brain is wired in so many ways. But it's to be able to say, and this is what I do, what can I learn from this person? What can I learn from this person? This person may be different than me in multiple ways. What can I learn from this person? And that allows me to um, be more inclusive. It allows me to uh, not think that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter how long you've been on the planet, right? It's like, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm going to be learning till the day I'm not here anymore. Because that's the way in which I stay active and the way in which I um, am be, become more inclusive. And, of course, the line of work that I do allows me to be more inclusive because I'm engaging with people all the time that are different than I am. Yes. Life... Mm -hmm long learning that mm -hmm. is very key because if, if we can't learn from the very simple mm -hmm. well it, it's maybe we have a learning disorder ourselves <laughs> you know i have I, I i love that and i have to say to you that you know so i came from the nonprofit 
Um, some people might have said it was a touchy-feely environment because you shared, you know, you, you always knew where you stood, and that's where I learned about feedback and listening skills and self-awareness, et cetera. And I remember my stepfather, when he was alive, he used to say, and he had worked for Saks Fifth Avenue stores. He had opened all the ones on the East Coast, and he said, you know, you need to go into corporate America, he said, because, like, you're in this, like, la-la land here before that movie ever came out, you know, la-la land here, like, with this, you know, here's how I feel, here's what I think, let me share some feedback. So I went into corporate America, and I was shocked. I was shocked that all the things that I was so, like, part of my DNA were, like, not part of the corporate American DNA. And I was running a meeting. I'd only been in the company two weeks, and we were in this meeting, 22 people. It was a training initiative. And there were 22 people who were up in uh, Purchase, New York, and we're in a U-shape, and it's the end of this two-day meeting. And I said, I'd like to introduce a concept to you called debriefing. They all looked at me like you're in the headlights. And... um the, everyone had these three-inch binders full of all these papers because we're transitioning the computer systems and so forth. And so I said, so the concept is, it's like, what is what what did you learn? Like, what's the takeaway for you? Like, what worked? What didn't work? Dead silence. And one person gets up, stands up, takes the three-ring binder, slams it down on the desk, and says, "Good meeting." And then all 21 other people did the same thing. And so I just, like, I was in shock. And I looked at my watch and I said, okay, good. We have a starting point here. We started off with our very first debrief was about 18 seconds. And that was it. And I thought to myself, okay, Nancy, here's the work for you. Either you're going to continue working in this organization and help them understand how they can be more self-aware and debrief to see what they've learned, how what they need to apply, what they need to get rid of, or you're going to get absorbed in the organization. I was there for five years and hopefully uh, had some impact. Wonderful. You know, sometimes we have to immerse ourselves into the ev- environment that we want Absolutely. to be included in and a lot of people like myself i said i was an introvert and it was very hard for me mm-hmm. to reach out to people to start having these long form conversations that draw mm-hmm. more people into what actually people are thinking about mhm it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter the conversation that people have I think we need to start having more conversation and like you said including those people that we disagree with the most that can be very invigorating and it can teach us you know you're not going to learn if you're in the same pond forever mm-hmm. so reaching out is very important and this is one of the things that you do is help people learn to communicate and structure their project in a way that can be more inclusive, more bound to a leadership-organized 
way of doing things. Mm-hmm. How can people get engaged with you and connect with you and get involved with what you're doing? Uh, so there are multiple ways. Of course, there's our website, uh, www.aplsgroup.com. I'm on LinkedIn. It's Nancy with an I, N-A-N-C-I, Appleman, A-P-P-L-E-M-A-N, hyphen Vassal, V-A-S-S-I-L. Uh, you can call us at 919-424-6339. You can, of course, our website um, is uh, a great place to kind of get a feel for what we do. And, um, you know, I... I would welcome any conversations and any exploration. We do do a uh, what we call a 30-minute free consultation with our director of business development, and uh, you know, welcome the opportunity. I, you know, when you were talking about uh, what I call complacency, right? Because if we're not actively, it's like what they say about as you age. If you're not moving, you know, you get this. And so you got to keep moving, got to keep moving, got to keep exploring, got to keep learning. And it really is around self-awareness. It really is the more that I understand me, the better I can understand you. And I have to listen. There is a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. We're supposed yes. to listen when we talk, right? Yes. Now, Nancy, before mm-hmm. I let you go, I do want one question for myself and maybe others want to know also when you get yourself prepared for a speaking engagement or a presentation what are some of the things you do to calm your mind and organize yourself for such a thing right so first of all besides all the traditional things like making sure I know who my audience is going to be and that I have all my handouts and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. I actually do a meditation. Uh, I, um, I do a countdown meditation that uh, I started doing 34 years ago. So I developed a fear of flying uh, after my son was born and I went to therapy. I went to a counselor and she suggested that I go to a hypnotist and it was actually the hypnotist that made a tape for me that to this day, even though I lost the tape (laughs) quite quickly uh, after my third trip, um, it's a meditation where I just get in in a quiet space and I count down from 50 and I talk through the experience I'm gonna have. So I do a lot of breathing and I make sure that I exercise before I do any workshops or keynote speeches. Um, I also do Pilates. So I'm really about getting my core centered and also about, you know, continually moving and so forth. And so my um, fear of uh, flying created a creation part of me that I didn't even know existed because I was very creative. I still had to travel. And so I would take trains and all sorts of uh, ways to which it. That lasted four years after I got out of the therapy. And then I flew to Singapore from Raleigh. And I literally went around the world to do a presentation at an HR conference in 2010. And that's when I realized when I'm on a plane now, I travel all the time. And when I see somebody else that's scared, I just tell them about breathing and about counting down from 50. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a call to action for people? Uh, the call to action is to absolutely learn more about yourself, become self-aware. And if we can help you with that, we'd be more than happy to do that. Even if you just want to take the assessment, we can. Uh, you can get a hold of us at info at APLSgroup.com, and we can send that out to you and um, and take it from there. Well, I highly recommend people getting over to APLSgroup.com and checking out the wonderful information, Nancy, and your colleagues. But let's back up and mention your colleagues because you have a lot of people behind you helping you in APLS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us about those people just before you go. Sure. So I have a great group of folks. Um, Some of them are facilitators, so they do what I do in terms of being in the classroom. Um, They have, everyone on the team has the same values that we have. So we're very much of a, a, what we would call a relationship organization um, before it became very popular to do that. Like that's always been our model. We'd much rather have a long-term relationship than to have a one and done, as we call it. Um, The buzzword out in the marketplace was, oh, what gig have you gotten? And I said, if we ever use that word, I will just absolutely throw up. Because a gig gig is a transaction, and we're all about relationships. So we're all about the experience, and we're very experiential in our approach. Uh, Then the other folks that I have on the team are, you know, uh, a graphic designer, uh, uh, marketing folks, uh, social media uh, operations, and also um, financial. And uh, yep, I was just trying to think who else I might have. So yeah, and then we are constantly uh, growing. So we have a new person that's starting uh, tomorrow, actually, and um, he's going to become our new client experience manager, which will take you from the you having a concept about what you want to do, and he will walk you all the way through, including the delivery. So we're excited about that as well. Well, you do a lot of wonderful things, Nancy, and I want to say thank you for sharing on Demerica Podcast with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to uh, us connecting again in the future. Thank you for listening into the podcast episode today. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Also, please follow us on any of your podcast players. Or if you'd like to get a little more personal with us and really identify what we truly are about and get involved with what we are doing, make sure you go over to the Google Play Store and download our new app. We can't wait to get involved with you. And that's going to finish up this episode of the Dead America podcast. Make sure you come back next week and follow along for another great interview. I'm Ed Waters, out.